Um, you know, some days you come to church and uh, you're just more tender than normal. Um, and I don't want to miss my opportunities with you, but this is just as a, a believer and as well as your pastor. I just want to thank you for the opportunity I get to share life with you and pastor here. Um, all of my memory of this place and you is sweet and precious. And I can't believe that someone like me gets to be with people like you and this church. And uh, I love uh, what I do here. I plan on if Jesus tarries, being the old guy that smiles on the front row that just nods and doesn't remember nobody, you know, just, hey, hey how you doing? So he started it like a hundred years ago. When I started, I had black hair, now I have white hair. But uh, I just want to tell you that uh, no war stories here. Um, I love the sound of being the pastor at Christ Chapel. So thank you. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Paul's praying for the church at Colossae and he says, I want, I'm praying for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I'm praying that you would walk worthy of the Lord. That's a life goal, that you would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, which means that you would centralize the focus of your life to bring pleasure to God, is what that means. Being fruitful in every good work. And by the way, fruit doesn't grow without maintenance and cultivation. Thorns and thistles can grow on their own, but to be fruitful, you got to work it. You have to work the ground. You have to work the tree. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that is not through osmosis. God does not touch you like today and give you knowledge. Well, I just don't have to go to school or I don't have to be a student of the word. He can just give it to me. No, that's called lazy. That you would be knowledgeable of the Lord God. How do you do that? Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father which has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 10 says you, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. Walk. The Lord has allowed us, by his grace and opportunity, to start a series. Uh, if he should so tarry, we'll continue for one or two more weeks, maybe, on our walk with the Lord. Not our run with the Lord, our walk with the Lord. Daily, methodically, our trotting of our life through marriage, singleness, raising kids, sickness, health for rich and poor, better and worse. Our walk 
towards home. No one can walk it for you, and God will not walk it for you. He allows you to choose the direction of your walk, the pace of your walk, and the destination of your walk. Last week, we talked about our walk being a personal one and one of sanctification. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go uh, get it offline, uh, that we need to be separate from the world, separate. Greek for that means separate, separate from the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And by God's grace this morning, if he should tarry, I want to speak to you about consecration. Last week was sanctification, which means separate from the world, making the break. But consecration is separated unto God. You may be sanctified without being consecrated. You may try to be consecrated without being sanctified. But you cannot walk unless you're both with the Lord. We must be apart from and cleaving to. And I want to talk to you this morning about your life being consecrated unto God. I asked you last week, were you walking separate? Now I'm going to ask you, are you walking closely? Father, it's me again <laughs> all these Sundays. And uh, I'm just humbled today to be your boy and to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I know no greater honor than that assignment. And so I just pray today that you would anoint me to speak with a clarity and with an unction from heaven that would make the word come alive to your people, that we might see you more clearly, that we might see ourselves more clearly, and that we would determine within ourselves not to make excuses ever again, that we would live a life of repentance, but also of joy. And that we might decide, Lord, to make our life produce a high yield for you. Everyone starts with the same opportunity, one life. May we use ours for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I saw Chris putting a water in here today, and that is two waters. And it makes me think of the Princess Bride you know, one of them may have poison, but you thought that I would drink the one on the left, Chris, but I don't want to drink it. So, so I'm going to drink both and make sure I get whatever they planned. <laughs> when I tell jokes, you don't laugh, and when I'm not joking, you do laugh. You know, they're coming out with so much stuff now. Everything's bad for you. Everything will kill you. Everything's got poison in it. They told me I can't have sweet and low because... Uh, gives you cancer, saccharin gives you cancer, and can't have equal because it gives you Alzheimer's, so I just have one of each and have cancer and not know it. But, uh, <laughs> feel free to use it, just get the last note over. This morning's message is going to be simple, but life changing. You know, uh, the, God's Word is a mirror, and although in the shopping malls they use altered mirrors to make you look better than. God's mirrors does not make you look worse than. They're accurate. You look and you see. I saw people last week as I was preaching, they saw I'm close to the world. I, my heart is double-minded. There's not a gap. 
Somebody that didn't know me might wonder. I don't ever want to be the person when someone says that they're a Christian, they go, well, uh, that's all I need to know. When you pause like that, that's all I need to know. But this morning, the message is simple, but it's life-changing when you get to a place where you see that I may have stopped doing the things that I used to do, but I'm not yet doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Consecrated. Our walk with the Lord is to be a consecrated one. Here's what consecrate means. To cause, to make, pronounce and preserve as clean. To set apart, dedicate, to hallow, to keep, proclaim, purify and sanctify something wholly separate. Now, that's a fine line for us to live in the world, to be of the world, to work in an economic system to be surrounded by the world, but be altogether God's. That's why you must, moment by moment, check your steps and guard your heart to make sure that the current of this world, the winds of this world, do not push you towards their priorities, but that you press in to choose those things that are pleasing unto the Lord. I'm going to give this to you quickly, and all you got to do is just listen. You don't have to look it up. You can look it up later if you want. But I want to show you what consecration looks like in practical terms in the Old Testament, and then you look at it as it pertains to your life being set apart. In Exodus 29, God introduced the garments of the priest. Now, everything in the Levitical priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, mirrors that which is in heaven. There's a heavenly tabernacle, so the earthly tabernacle, not nearly as glorious, but it mirrors what was going on. Their priest, the priestly garments were consecrated, which meant they were not used for anything else. The priest didn't cut his grass in the garments. Ain't nothing wrong with cutting grass. Do you see? It's not a sin. These were set apart for this. So when you hear that the priest's garments were consecrated, it meant that we have dedicated them to a cause. They are not like other garments. Now in this day and age, oh, you just think you're better garments than other people's garments. Not better, different. Consecrated. They're just thread. They're just linen. They're just cotton. They're just... A blend of different fabrics. What's so special about your garment? It was dedicated unto God. You see? What makes you any different? The secular humanist would say that you're no different than a cow or a tree. We're all part of Mother Earth. And what makes you so special? I know your past, Christian, Christian mine and your past. We know our past. What makes you so special now? I'm glad you asked. I have been set apart for God. That decision works its way out of your life in many different expressions. From I can't to I could to I should and I will because that's what consecrated vessels do. 
The sons of Aaron were consecrated as priests. Numbers chapter 3. The garments of the priests were Exodus 29. The sons of Aaron were consecrated to minister as priests. Numbers 3. Do you remember when the, the people rose up and said, there's no difference between Aaron and us. We're, we can all be priests and God's... I hope there's a video store in heaven for some of these stories. Some of them are just magnificent. You, you couldn't think them up. We ain't no difference between us and Aaron. We're just like y'all. God said, back up from them. That, that you know, that's turn your cameras on. Back up from them. And they backed up. He said, I'm about to do something to show you that I'm serious about this consecration. And he opened up the earth and swallowed them. And then closed the earth up. So imagine me eating at a buffet table. You open up. You bite the chicken off. And you close it up. It's gone. These priests, God said, you have touched and tainted the power and the beauty and the glory of something consecrated. Aaron is not better than you. Aaron was... Foolish. Moses goes up on the mountain of God to get the 12 commandments. He comes down. His associate pastor Aaron got everybody naked. Read it yourself. God, he doesn't mince any words. They're all naked jumping around a calf. You're fired. You ain't got to pray. You're fired. We thought that you, what had happened was, and then Aaron said, and Moses said, where, where did this golden calf come from? Well, we, we thought God had killed you, really, because you didn't come down. So we, we threw all these earrings in a fire and out jumped this calf. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, you're fired twice. So I'm trying for you to see the esteem and value was not in Aaron. The esteem and value is that God had set him aside for himself. There's the value. Consecration is priceless to God. And he's very particular about types. When Moses smote the rock in the wilderness trying to get water to come from it, he said, must I bring water out of this rock again? And he smote it and God was angry with him because that was symbolic of Jesus being beaten twice. So the water of life coming from the rock, the water of life coming from Christ. And because he violated the type, God did not let him go into the promised land. Okay? God is serious about these types. Do you remember when Nebuchadnezzar took, uh, came over and captured Jerusalem? God didn't judge him. He captured the land. God didn't judge him. It's just war. It's just stuff, you know, the evolution of nations and kingdoms. is coming. There would be judgment for anyone that harms Israel. But he took the vessels, the cups and the goblets and the things in the treasury that were consecrated to God, a cup, a cup, and he was drinking out of them and they poured their wine in it and they were having revelry. So they're just throwing a party, which David and them had parties when they won battles. They would take the bounty, the gold, the silver, uh, the weaponry, they would bring it all into the king's treasury. So why did God get angry? This is the thing. Because those cups had been consecrated to God. He is serious 
about this title that's placed upon you. That's why you can't take your cup and dip it into a tub of fornication or homosexuality or adultery or covetousness or love for the world. You have to see yourself not glorious in yourself, but holy, set apart, separate. Holy doesn't mean perfection. Holy means altogether separate. God is holy. He is sinless, but he's altogether separate. He said, I'm not like you at all. I am holy, holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y. Altogether separate. Consecrated. The priests were consecrated. The cups the bowls were consecrated. The garments were consecrated. The people of Israel were to be consecrated. Here's what Hezekiah said in 2 Chronicles 29. Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you've consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and thanksgiving, thank offerings into the house of the Lord. Now that you've consecrated yourself, bring your, bring your offerings, your praise, your worship into the house of the Lord. Do you know why the church is anemic and powerless and looks more like a movie theater than the house of God now? Because we, have, we tell everybody, our church is open to everybody. You can live like hell. You can lie, cheat, cuss, steal, have two mistresses. Our, we don't judge nobody. Come in. God ain't receiving none of that. None of that. Does he love the world? Yes. Does he love them enough to rescue and save them? Yes. But he does not take offerings of thanksgiving, praise, gifts from the hands of unconsecrated people. King Hezekiah said, now that you're consecrated, you can bring unto God. Can I go just a little further, a little deeper on the subject of money? And this now pretty much everybody's up to speed on the television preachers and the manipulation and, and, and all that stuff that. Uh, governs this. Um, God doesn't need my $50. God don't need my $100. And I don't need to give $27.27 for 27 months to get a 27 times return. That's ridiculous. He provides all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My, my, my purpose should not be so much. It does include it. It. It is important the what we're bringing, but who is bringing it is more important. He looks to see, since he don't need nothing, so John's going to bring me $50 or $100 or he's going to go do ministry. He's going to go mow a widow's yard or something. Oh, and the guy pushing the mower is consecrated. That pastor may take your offering, but God doesn't. Man, worship was wonderful. You're shacked up the night before with somebody that's not your husband or your wife and you come in and you feel, ooh, I feel it. I feel the spirit. Which spirit? I don't think just because you feel it, it, that it's holy. Aretha can hit a high note and you go, oh, oh. And that don't mean it's the Holy Spirit. Not every praise offered is received. How consecrated is your life? How separate 
It's hard to live consecrated. We thought sanctified was hard. You know, when you first got saved and you go, I just got to stop doing all. This is the list of this, Jason, all the stop do's. Stop drinking, smoking, chewing, smoking weed, sleeping around, going to the theater, playing secular music. Just stop, stop doing everything. Stop doing everything. You go, Whew. Then consecrated deals with, see, those are sins of the flesh. Sanctification deals with the flesh. Consecration deals with the spirit. Sins of the spirit. Am I willing to be yours? Am I willing to serve, joyfully serve? Am I willing to waste myself away on you? You remember I told you last week, one of the greatest things that can be said about you is when someone says, that one walks with the Lord. You cannot walk with the Lord if you're not consecrated. I remember teaching um, an adult Sunday school class in my first church. I was co-teacher, brand new. I'd only been walking with the Lord kind of like Jason, a couple years, and they let me co-teach, and I was just teaching away, you know. I kind of preached in Sunday school. This guy taught, and uh, I'll just tell you his first name was Ray. That's all I'll tell you. So I was teaching, and I said, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God does not hear our prayer. The Sunday school teacher stood up in my Sunday school class and said, I've had sin in my life, and God heard my prayer. Now, I hadn't took tact in the Berean School of the Bible yet, I, I didn't know about that. He said, I had sin in my life and God heard my prayer. So what he's saying is, I ain't consecrated and God listens to me. And I said, well, one of you is lying. And being that God doesn't lie, I guess that leaves you. He slammed his Bible. He, his wife stood up with him and fixed a wig and she walked out, you know. And a couple other people walked out. And I looked at the adults in the class and I said, how readest thou? If I regard iniquity in my heart, God does not hear my prayer. Well, I, I know better. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God does not hear your prayer. Now, God hears all things. He knows all things. What does he mean? He says, I'm paying it no mind. Consecration is the key to all things in Christ Jesus. If I'm altogether his... I have available to, available to me all that he is. Because I'm God's. I'm God's. The greatest thing a man can give his family is to be a consecrated dad, consecrated husband, consecrated father. The greatest thing, because the channel of blessing flows into those cups. And oh, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar, that one that took the consecrated vessels and just poured his liquor in it and drank it to his God's Dagon and all. God made that man think he was an ox. For years, he was on all fours eating grass like a, like a mule. <laughs> Can you imagine a testimony service later? Like, you know, we just want to stand and give the Lord thanks to you. God, that killed me. I, I thought I was an ox. I was the king over one of the greatest nations in the earth. And I took a cup and I drank out of it and I, I just shouldn't have. What would he tell you? He said, whatever you do, don't take something consecrated and defile it. Now, listen, I said that to be a, a, for dramatic effect. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he that defiles it, God said, I will destroy them. I can point to most of the trouble in my life 
from rationalizations and a lack of consecration. He's serious about you, not because you and I are valuable. I know uh, Pastor Wade has been so good about teaching us that we're not the hero of the story. God didn't bankrupt heaven for us. That it, it's not that John is valuable. He's serious about John and Kelly because of what he paid for us. You were not redeemed with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. Are you consecrated? Are you consecrated? Look in the mirror. What does it look like? Are you his? There's more here, but you get the idea. The consecration of our lives is the fruit of our choices, not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm not demeaning the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. That's what God works in you and it comes up out of you by just being connected to him. Consecration is the fruit of your choices. He will never consecrate you. You consecrate yourself. You take, you, like, I could take the cups, the bowls, the priestly garments, and I could take them into the temple of God and put them there. They cannot walk themselves. That's committed to God. That's committed to God. So with your life, God doesn't let anybody have any say whether you're in prison, in the ICU unit, or at your house. You get to determine the level of consecration unto God. It's the fruit of your choices. The consecration of our lives should be a natural response as we come to know him, our relationship in him, and our responsibility to him. Consecration is a result of revelation when we understand what he paid for us and, and how we belong to him and that we don't want to grieve his spirit. It's a result of gratitude. Sure, I'll give you the rest of my life since you gave me eternal life. It's a result of the Spirit's prompting. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Do this. Do this. Pour out your life a ransom for others. Uh, and invest your life in others instead of spending it upon yourself. See, when the Bible says that we are to be rich towards the Lord, that's not for gain. No matter what the televangelist tells you, it's not for gain. It means that we are to be liberal, wasteful in our spending uh, of our lives, not just money, our lives on God. Sure, we'll open our home up. Sure, we'll open our wallet up. Listen, sure, we'll open our calendar up. For you, O oh Lord, absolutely. It's a result of maturation and calculated worship. Our walk with the Lord is to be a consecrated one. Listen, the consecration of our lives are to be set aside, dedicated, sanctified from the world, and wholly, freely given to God. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, 1 Chronicles 29. Guys, if you could put that on the screen for me as well. 1 Chronicles 29. Our sermon has two parts. This is the second part, and we'll be done. 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 9. Let me set the background for this quick passage of scripture. This is David wanting to build God a temple. 
David, the, uh, the, the, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after God's heart. And God said, no, you can't build it. You're a man of war because war and worship very rarely go together. It's a, it's a hard mix. But he said, you, you can't do this. But David said, well, if I can't build it, I want to fund it. I want to build a house of worship for you that'll be totally yours. And see, we're building a house of worship for the Lord. You are, this, this life that you have is a preparation. This is not the dance, baby. This is the rehearsal. You're preparing yourself for eternity. And so in the day, same way David wanted to build the Lord a temple, we're building a temple. We're building a, a place for God to live and dwell in, in our hearts, in our lives. Are you there at 1 Chronicles 29? I want everybody to be there. Are we on the screen? Yes, no? Thank you very much. Okay, so in that context of David wanting to build a temple, furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation... Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender. And to build a temple, this work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I've prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, brass for the things of brass, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, uh, onyx stones, glistening stones, diverse colors, precious stones, and marble stones in abundance. And moreover, because I've set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I've given to the house of my God, over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house withal, the gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hand of those that know how to sculpt and who then is willing and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds and the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and of silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and 100,000 talents of iron and they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. And the people rejoiced for, they that, for that they offered willingly, look, because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Now before I give you the final thoughts and we examine our hearts, I want you to see how this parallels. We're going to build something for the Lord. And David steps out and said, this is what I want to do. I, I want to leave something that when I'm gone, people can point to a residue of the wake of my life for God's glory. I want my life to leave something for the next generation. I want my life to be invested I want it to bring glory to the Lord. In the same way David was building an earthly, wanting to help his son by preparing. It's like setting everything up for Solomon as he got older to build the temple. He, this is what we're doing now. What's your temple look like? That's consecration. Anybody live in the country beside us? You can have a $350,000 house, 
a $500,000 house, and then an $800 house, just right on the same street. They don't bother me. We've always had, you're supposed to have all kinds of people, rich people, poor people, ugly people, pretty people, sweet people, mean people. You're supposed to have all of it. But I tell you what you ain't supposed to have. You ain't supposed to have one house where everybody takes care of this stuff, and the next house looks like Sanford and Son out front. You ain't mowed your grass since the Korean War, and you got an iron claw tub out in the front yard, and you know, you just get used to it. You know, a bicycle with one wheel. Why, 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 is, why is a bicycle with one wheel in your front yard? I drive by and I just, it just, it, it's like, it shuts me down. I drive by, I have to stop and I have to ponder, what meaneth this? What? How can you drive by and see a one-wheeled bicycle in your yard? I, it's like, don't you know? Do you know that there's an iron claw tub in your front yard? Do you know that next Thursday they're going to sell your backyard as a wildlife preserve? Don't you know? Don't you know that God and others can tell if your Christian life is overgrown with weeds and the things of this world? Don't you know? Can't, don't you think I can but glance and see if your life is consecrated? And if I who am flawed and immature, has the capacity to see clearly. Don't you think he, with eyes of fire, can see through our excuses and our rationale? You ain't got to have the best yard, baby, but you can take care of what you have. And God's not looking for the best people. He's looking the best for the best of his people. That's good. All right. We're going to examine a couple things and we're closing here. Some things that just stood out to me. If it's to be set apart, David was consecrating this gold, this silver, this iron, this brass. Let's look at the pattern here. If it's to be set apart, it's for God himself. Keep your Bible open. Look at verse 1. For this is not for man, but for the Lord God. We got a man in our church, I won't mention who, came up to us a while back. And said, I just, you know, I don't do the yard if you'll let me here, Pastor John. And this is, this is acreage with many islands and weed eaten. And I mean, it takes days to do that. Now, does he do it for us? Well, no. It's for the Lord. When you cross over and you know that our church might be a beneficiary of or my neighbor might be a beneficiary of, or my friends might be a beneficiary of, but what I do, this is not for man, it is for God. That's what David said. This house that we're going to build, it's not for man. Who fills the temple? People. Priests, bulls, goats, sacrifice. Eagles. Yeah, all of y'all going to have part in it, but it ain't for you. That's the driving force of the consecrated person. They live and move and have their being for God. Not Pastor John, not Christ Chapel, not the Assemblies of God. Listen, all I've ever been is in the Assemblies of God. I don't carry a banner though. What do you mean? I'll have one bad thing to say. I think the Assemblies of God are kind of like the ark. There's a lot of smell in it, but it's the best thing afloat. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's floating. It's, it's, still, it's still good. I don't know why I threw that out there to you. I get back to my notes. Okay. But we don't do things 
I, I, I don't do things for the sinless of God. Now, I'm not tr trying to sound like a martyr. I love you, but I don't do them for you either. I'm glad that something I might say or do benefits you. But the consecrated life said this is for God and God alone. Okay? You see it? This, this palace is not for man but for the Lord. It should be set apart for God himself. It should be set apart personally. Look at verse 2. He said, now I have prepared things. That's past tense. David said, I've done this. Now you might join me. Grief might join me. Grief, you know, and I'm not saying this bragging. We all have areas of service. Grief, services, our appliances and stuff. He says, that's for the Lord. That's for the Lord. We, we all do this, but I can't do griefs and he can't do mine. He said, I've done this. I, he was not bragging on himself. We're so scared of bragging on ourselves that we try to hide what we do. And the Bible says, let them see your works that they might glorify your Father in heaven. David said, I did this for the Lord. Not I did this for the Lord. I did this for the Lord. You see? He did it purposefully, personally, intentionally. Look at verse 2, letter A, or 2A. He said, I have prepared the things. He did it personally and intentionally. The things, offerings, gifts, gold, silver, it was his desire to honor the Lord. And he said in verse 3, I have set my affections to the house of God. This is critical. We put time and effort where we love. My wife tirelessly, all mamas, you understand, tirelessly serves these children. Mama don't even mean mama. Mama means anything. Our kids say, mama. It don't, it's just, it's just, it's, she's told them the other day, she goes, that's not even a question. What, what, just mama? But her affections drive her availability. David said, I have set my affections on this house. And from the affections flows sacrifice. You know what the, the dilemma for pastors and worship leaders are? And I'm just like you. I'm not preaching. You know what our dilemma is? We're trying to pull stuff out of people that they don't have. Stand, beloved. Sit, beloved. Raise your hands, beloved. The pastor says, raise your hands, beloved. Everybody raise their hands. Instead of you thinking of how, what are the odds of somebody like you gets to come to church and offer God anything that he would take? You ought to be the first one with hands up lifted. You see, our problem is we wait on man to give us permission instead of our affections motivating us. I ain't waiting on nobody to tell me, clap your hands, lift your hands. And this is, this is just me being transparent. You know why I sit on the front row? My entire Christian life, first and second row. It's not that it's right. I'm just telling you why. Because y'all distract me. Yes. Scratching and talking and bouncing babies and playing on your phone and yawning and all, all this stuff. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being as honest. And I, I'm not saying you can't worship from the back. You can worship from the cheap seats, Dave. You can stay back there. Don't bother me. You can worship back there. I'm good. But for me, the way I'm wired, you see, because of the OCD part, the less distraction, the more at liberty than I am. Okay. 
But it's all motivated by affection. We'll get to a line in the song. He, he set me free. Yes. Everything's yes. My spirit says it all the time. Yes. 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 What motivation do you need to be consecrated? You know, we've, you know what we've come to in our nation? A preacher promising us a return. No, I'm promising you nothing but the smile of God. To where he looks at you and says, well done. You were good. And you were faithful. And you know, he's going to say those things, but that's not all he's going to say. And he's, you are mine. I want him to say, John, you are mine. You wasn't much, but you were mine. It should be set apart intentionally. He said, I've set my affections to the house of God. It should be set apart wholeheartedly. He said, when I got ready to build this house, it's with all my might. Okay, guys, if you'll just give me like five, six minutes, we'll be done here. This is critical. When is the last time you could say with integrity, I serve the Lord with all my might? All my might. You remember the story of Samson? When he told Delilah his secret and got his hair cut and lost his strength. His hair was his symbol. Just a symbol of his. There it is again. There's no power in the hair. But it was a symbol of the Nazarite consecration. Did you know God's serious about consecration? And the moment he's lost his consecration, he was powerless. He's powerless. He lost his eyes. They plucked his eyes out. They put him in a little round room tied to a pole and he ground corn and wheat like a donkey how be it the hair of his head began to grow again symbolic of his consecration and long story short when they brought him out to make sport of him in the arena Samson Samson was kind of carnal a lot of his life but carnal people also are sharp with worldly things and they can kind of walk the line between telling you everything they want you to know. They, you know, the children of this world are wiser sometimes than the children of God. I'll just put it that way to you. You can look that up. So Samson tells the guy, they're, they're bringing him out to make sport of him and they may kill him. He goes, would you just take me to the pillars, uh, the, main, the main pillars? I just want to rest. Now, he probably, you know, I am a little tired. But that ain't why he wanted to go to the pillars. It's like what he told you was the truth, but he didn't tell you all the truth. So Samson gets there and he prayed. He said, Lord, remember me. Think about me, who I used to be. And the Bible says something. I dare you to go home and look it up. And it said, and he put his hands on those pillars and he pushed with all his might. It's the first time it was ever recorded that he did anything with all his might. What would happen in your life if for the first time you served God with all your might? All your gifts. All your abilities. All your resources. Now that doesn't mean you go out and empty your bank account and kill all the cows and go, here God. That's a butcher. It's better to be a dairy farmer and milk your cows all your life for the glory of God. You see, I left Pastor John's sermon. I cashed in all my retirement, everything, just gave an offering to a widow. I just uh, sent it overseas. Now what you going to do? I'm done. That's it. There ain't nothing left. We're homeless. 
What would happen if you served God with all your might? Brooke, if you would come up, please, and the singers. It can be done from any posture. I don't know who this is for. It's kind of an odd point. And we only have just a couple more. Y'all stay with me. God told David, he said, you can't build it. But I want to build it for you. No, you can't build it. He said, okay, I don't have to be in charge of it to be a part of it. I don't have to have my name on the building. Now, this is very small to you. It, it, might, not, it might mean something to you. It might not. I've never had my name on a sign since 95. You know, Pastor John William. We have a church. Kelly and I drive by it all the time. They just spray paint over the guy's name when he's gone. And they, uh, seriously, you see him out there with a spray paint? You go, another one bites the dust. There they go. They're gone. Just and God, David said, I, I, don't have, I don't have to be the builder. There are people in this church that lead from the middle of the pack. They give from the middle of the pack. They serve from the middle of the pack. Consecrated people don't care if they're recognized here. They're banking on being recognized there. It should be set apart generously. If you're going to be God's, be God's generously. Can I just tell you David's in modern day dollars according to a commentary? David said of my own account. 540, $547,500,000 of gold. Well, if I had that kind of money, I'd give it. Baby, if you can't give $50, you ain't giving $500,000,000. No, well, here's what David said. And it was just a matter of fact. He said, I want y'all to know that I've given $547,500,000 in gold and $343,000,000 of silver. So what was he saying? Over my life of these conquests, and I've risked my life in every one of them, this is what came in the king's treasury. I have access to this. And we're going to give it to the Lord. We're going we're gonna to give it to the Lord. It should be exemplary and contagious. Your life, I'm challenging you today. I'm provoking you. People ought to glance at your life and see all the flaws but want to be like that. The Bible says, when they saw what David did, listen to this. Then the chief of the fathers, verse 6, the princes of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands, the captains of hundreds, and the rulers of the king's worth work offered willingly you ought to be a contagious Christian not that they want to be like you but they want to be like that that what do you mean consecrated altogether God's for his glory it should be set apart with a pure motive joyfully and for a memoriam I've tried as a man and as a father, started late, to set aside things for my wife and my babies. You know, uh, the affection drives me to do that. But I want to leave them a name. I want to I leave something that creates a thirst. I do not hide my flaws to them. I... I kneel in front of them and ask them to pray for me when daddy's a butt. That's the way I say it. Your daddy was a butt today. Don't tell people I say that. It's a butt. Yeah. Will you pray for me? 
God, help Daddy not to be a butt that you've never lived till you've heard prayers like that. You know? I want them to see the full picture and say, my daddy belonged to God. He wasn't close to perfect. And his goal was not to get everything near perfect. His goal was to get everything near God. God's God. For you, stand with me. For you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should, you should, but God won't make you. Show forth the praises of him with a consecrated life who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Before we sing this song together, I want to read one verse. Listen to this. Everybody focus on this. Verse 5. So after David told him what he was going to do, and after he talked to all the people that knew how to craft the gold, the silver, the iron, the brass, and he got everybody together and they all offered... Here's what he said. So who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? He told the people. So I want to ask you. I'm no David. I'm just John. So who then is willing to consecrate their service to the Lord God? Ain't nothing stopping you. Would you bow your heads as they lead us in this song? And if this is your prayer, as genuinely as, as softly as you know how to say it, you can say it or sing it. You tell the Lord these things. You can use anything, Lord. You can use time and then Pastor Wade is going to uh, dismiss us in prayer. So imagine the analogy of the cup, the bowl, 
you know, what's so dignified about a cup? A cup. And God reaches his hand in, okay? And I use this. This is a small thing in the grand scheme of the world, okay? In the grand scheme of the world. He says, okay, I'm looking for the foolish things to confound the wise. Hey, John Wood in Macon, Georgia, come here. He sticks his hand in and says, I'm going to use you to start a church. I'm not to start a church. I know. Isn't that amazing? Isn't this going to be fun? And he uses that which was surrendered. And everybody looks at the, they're not looking at the cup and going, mm, 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 at the cup. But in cup talk, as they talk to one another, they said, John, God's hand is on your life. What glory, what dignity. Let's make ourselves available to him. Can you sing this one more time unto him? You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Father, that's our prayer. Today again, we renew our hearts to be set aside, to be set apart to you. God, would you put your hands on us? Would you fill us with your power? Not just set apart, but set unto. Not just removed from, but commissioned for. God, as we leave today, let us not be the same. Our feet set in a new direction. Our affections set on new things, on new heights, on new faces, on your face. Would you set us apart today unto you? Would you set our hearts close to yours, our hands right inside the palm of yours? God, if you can use anything, would you use me? This week, would you use me? God, my bank account, would you use it? My energy, would you use it? The things that I've amassed, would you use them? My calendar, would you use it? This week, Lord, this week, we set our hearts to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, tonight at 7 online, um, Join us. We're going to be kind of rehashing through this. Maybe you've got some things that are stirred in your heart, some questions you have. We'd love to kind of look at those and answer to those. Also, right after the service today, um, if, you, if you live on the north side of town or if you just want to join us at the, what is it, the, the park, the splash pad in Forsyth, right there in town. If you don't know, the directions are on the app. Uh, or if you don't have the app downloaded, if you can't download the app, ask somebody. 
Um, or if you live on the south side, next week we're going to join in your neighborhood. But if, if you live on both, you're free to come to both. So join us.